Welcome to Engage Your Tribe, a podcast about the art and science of audience engagement. I'm Jeremy Shear, and my guest is Anthony Ostrowski, VP of Growth at Yardstick. Anthony, yeah, it's great thanks, to have Jeremy. You on great the show. to be here. Excited for our chat. Me too. So I want to start by asking you to tell us a story about maybe it's your craziest, weirdest, funniest, or it could just be your most interesting kind of marketing or growth moment yeah. that you've had recently. Well, interesting, probably in the eye of the beholder. I don't know if I'm all that interesting, but I'll give this one a shot, mm -hmm. uh, see how it goes. So this one goes all the way back to pre-college, actually. And I am you know, mm. 17, 18 years old, trying to figure out what the heck I'm going to do with my life. And at that point, the only thing in school that I really liked doing was all of my art classes, graphic design and things like that. And so I was like, all right, this is great. I'm going to go into school for marketing and I'm going to create beautiful graphic design ads and all that stuff. And so I get about two years into school and I envisioned myself being one of those guys from uh, Mad Men. And I'm like two years into school and mm -hmm. you get through all of your general classes and now you're starting to get into the discipline of your major. So it's my junior year, I'm three years in, I've paid all this money and it like hit me like a ton of bricks that what I had thought marketing was is not uh, what marketing is. And so I went into school thinking I was going to be a graphic designer, uh, helping companies create these beautiful ads. Uh, I quickly realized that that wasn't the path, but I was, I was too far in and I was like, all right, I just got to hunker down and figure out what the heck I'm going to do with my life. And so kept going on the marketing track and we can touch on it later. It didn't immediately turn into marketing, but figure my way out through it. But that's probably uh, about as wacky as it gets for me. Okay, pretty good. Well, I mean, it sounds like that's actually a pretty good time to realize that when you're still in college and you're kind of self-aware enough to be like, ooh, you know, I this might not be what I thought got to figure something out. I mean, that's kind of the whole point of sure. education, right? To learn about yourself. And yeah. What you I had uh, a stuff. couple of friends that were actually in the arts program at school that were actually doing the things that I, I thought I had signed up to do and hearing from them and, and kind of what they were focused on post-school. I was grateful that maybe my path unintentionally uh, diverted a bit. Okay. So did you have in mind like Don Draper sipping you know old fashions like three yeah in the i mean afternoon. to a certain degree maybe yeah. I, I didn't quite know i just knew <laughs> that the only thing i really liked doing when i was in high school was was drawing and, and graphic design and, and something creative mm -hmm. and so i was like all right i'll figure it out when i get there <laughs> kind and, of and you did <laughs> right okay so all right very cool so well speaking of which you know what what i want to talk to you about is sort of your journey since mm -hmm. since post-college like your professional journey that i know you've gone through a couple like different stages different kinds of titles and that you did uh, spend some time in sales and now like over the last however many years you've kind of gradually found your way more into the world of like audience engagement mm -hmm and attracting customers and that sort of thing. And, and now you're a, a, a VP of growth, right? Which is kind of a new title that cuts across a bunch of different things. So kind of what's led you in this direction? Give us kind of the brief 
story arc here of how you've yeah, well, you touched you on are. it when you said attracting customers my journey's been a, a little unique but if i try to look for one particular thing that i would anchor it around uh, throughout all of those years it's probably been around attracting customers even i think back to you know what the heck made me think i wanted to do graphic design and uh, create ads it's probably a lot of it around this idea of buyer behavior or the psychology of a consumer and how can you influence someone one to uh, make a, a purchasing decision. And so early in my career, mostly because on the resume, I was like almost unemployable. I pretty much had to take any job I could get. wasn't the best college student. And so I stumbled my way into like this pseudo sales customer service type role and loved it immediately. This idea that you get to talk to people and, and convince them that what you've got is worth paying money for. So I spent the early part of my career as an individual contributor doing sales. And the next step of that journey, I got into sales leadership a couple of years into that. And so kind of a really traditional, what you see managing account executives and people closing deals, things like that. Uh, and then at the company I was at, at the time we built out, for us, it was new. I know it wasn't a new concept when we built it out, but it was the sales development team. And so people working top of funnel, you know, if you think back to predictable revenue way back when, you have your group of SDRs or BDRs or whatever they're called these days. Uh, and so we built up that team. And so at the time we were balancing, managing BDRs, SDRs, as well as account executives. And I just kept finding myself gravitating towards working with the sales development, the business development team. There's just something about, you know, convincing a customer that it was worth talking to you that really appealed to me. So built out that team and spent a couple of years doing that. And then we started to get a lot of traction on the marketing side. And so I started partnering a lot with our marketing team and we built out this inbound function for our sales team as well. So this whole time I'm still in sales leadership, but I'm getting more and more exposure to kind of the top of the funnel and building building pipeline. And so I started working a lot more with our marketing team, ended up marrying a marketer, which probably helped a little bit as well. And then kind of gets us to probably about two-ish years ago, left that company and, and spent a lot of time just like really trying to learn the details of marketing. Uh, how do you execute marketing programs? What are the concepts around it? And, and now I would, I, I joke with, with people and I tell them I'm just a uh, marketing obsessed salesperson. And so throughout those mm -hmm. last two years, I'm just trying to learn as much as I possibly can uh, about marketing uh, to be effective, I think, in what uh, I always anchor myself to, which is uh, to engage an audience and influence a consumer to make a purchase decision. And uh, having this idea that sales is only one part of that equation. And so fast forward to today at Yardstick, kind of in my purview, if you will, is our sales organization, our marketing organization, uh, as well as our customer success team. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Wow, very cool. Thanks for sharing that with us. By the way, I'm envisioning a movie called <laughs> I Married a Marketer. Or, yeah, or at least maybe. a book. She's, she's beyond talented, <laughs> so maybe someday you'll have to get her, get her in this chair. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, what you said about being like a, a marketing obsessed mm -hmm. sales guy, I think w that's kind of ideal, right? Like, if you're in sales, you, you should be kind of obsessed with marketing and vice versa, especially if you're in marketing, you really should kind of be obsessed with sales. I mean, that is your whole job in a way, enable the salespeople. 
And so, like, it, you know, you have to have, you want people in both functions to be able to put themselves in the shoes of the person. Yeah, the for sure. That's, that's a great point. So if you look back when I first started trying to figure out what is this whole marketing world about and getting really into the weeds, I stumbled upon Chris Walker and the Refine Labs team. And so they really opened my mind to this idea mm-hmm. of demand gen. And so I've been uh, trying to learn a lot about that. But in particular, Chris talks about, and I've heard other people talk about it as well, this idea that the goal of marketing is to make sales easier and sales lowercase s, not like literally your job as a salesperson yeah. easier, but for your company, sales should be easier for you to go out and get. Uh, and so that really struck a chord with me and it was a bit of a light bulb moment to say, okay, I think there's a, a pretty good intersection uh, with these two functions. Yeah. And in, in some ways it just seems like common sense, right? But And yet it really is kind of a new way of yeah. thinking about all that. And, and an yeah, important no doubt. for I sure. I think if you look at business trends or any trends in general, a lot of stuff is very cyclical. I think the easiest example for us to gravitate towards is fashion. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the world of sales, mm-hmm. business, marketing, you name it, a while back, there wasn't all of this specialization. You know, you kind of had to know everything about uh, your company, your position. You had to wear a bunch of hats. And then predictable revenue came around and decided that specialization was really important. And to a degree, a lot of that stuff still really matters and it's really effective. But I think we're seeing this gradual shift back to being good at a lot of things. And and your job as a salesperson has shades of marketing. It has shades of customer success and vice versa. If you're in either of those roles, customer success or marketing, you probably need to be pretty good at sales. And at the end of the day, all of those roles are really just about understanding your customer and then going out and doing the specific thing that that you're being asked to do at the company. Yeah, for sure. Right. The pendulum swung kind of pretty far in one direction. And now maybe it's sort of swinging back a little bit, finding a middle ground. It'll always keep swinging, I'm sure. And so now you're at Yardstick. And so tell us about Yardstick. Yeah, so interestingly enough, I know the concept uh, and what you're doing with your podcast is to help people figure out how to engage their audience and, and find their voice. We're deep in that process right now. Company's only been around for about two years, so we'll be figuring that part out probably for quite a while now and iterating on it uh, for a, a long time. But where we've kind of landed right now is this idea of human security. I think most people would understand it traditionally as like a background screening company, but our stance or our point of view is that the background screening industry has kind of been a little bit asleep at the wheel for the past 10 or 15 years. And there hasn't been a a technology company that's come along and says, hey, there's actually something we can improve here. It's always just been this idea of connecting a consumer to a report and, and making sure data is going from one place to the next, whether it be around someone's criminal history, their driving records, et cetera. So we're taking a really tech forward approach to background screening and also this idea that there's more to know about someone than just their criminal history. So we work with a lot of companies in kind of the gig or on demand uh, space. And so they have to know about certain certifications that someone might have or licenses that they're required to hold, or they may have to look at other documents like insurance. If you're going to be delivering food, you got to have a valid insurance document. 
And so we think there's a much more holistic view of someone's uh, propensity to be a good employee for your company. And so we're, we're giving companies that holistic view. And then maybe the final piece is uh, a background check. Literally in the name of it is backwards looking. So at the moment you mm-hmm. go look something up, the saying is that a background check expires one second after you take it. And so we're helping companies say, hey, if it was important for you to know these things about someone before you hired them, you probably want to know these things about the person in an ongoing fashion. So giving someone uh, daily updates on someone's criminal history or doing expiration management on those documents or those licenses they have or those insurance cards that they need to carry. So as you can probably tell, we've got some work to do to tighten it up, but hopefully that helps. Mm-hmm. Okay, very cool. So now I know that one of your goals is to help Yardstick develop its own kind of voice mm-hmm. and point of view. And so let's dig into that a little bit. What does that actually mean? So number one, what does that actually mean for a company to have like a voice, to have a point of view? Yeah. And why does it matter? Um let me let me let me let me attack that maybe in reverse order and start with why it matters. Sure. I think that'll help maybe tell the story a little bit. So if you think about all of the brands or the companies out there right now that are just crushing it and winning, uh, you can't find one of them that doesn't have a really strong voice or a really strong point of view. And a lot of it comes down to the old adage of if you try to appeal to everyone, you actually end up appealing to no one. And so you have to get super focused and you have to figure out who is our customer and what do they care about and how do we appeal to them? And then specifically, you can kind of find your lane within there if you want to have, uh, if you want to go as granular as like, is your voice whimsical? Is your voice serious? Uh, Does your voice have a a sense of humor to it? Are you colorful? Are you bright? Do you think about the the gongs of the world, the click ups of the world? You could probably remove their Mm -hmm. actual brand name from a lot of the stuff that they do. And someone would be able to quickly identify uh, that it's coming from one of those companies. But additionally, they've understood, hey, our audience is, let's use Gong, for example, you've got these uh, sales and marketing professionals that really want to understand how pipeline is moving through. And so they're thinking, if I'm going to sell to this person, how do I educate them and how do I help them level up at their particular job? So we're trying to unpack that right now. Who's our ICP? What do they care about? How do we make them better at their job when they go back to their desk? And then our hope is that they just start to associate Yardstick with all of these ways that we're helping them. And then when the time arises or the need arises for them to evaluate what it is that we offer, we want to be uh, the first person or the first company that they think about, but potentially maybe the only person in the company that they think about to go solve uh, for what they're trying to solve for. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, I mean, in your opinion, is like point of view and voice, is that the same thing as brand or? or Uh, Good question. I think, I don't know which one sits on top of the other. I think it's a little bit of, of chicken or the Mm -hmm. egg and you ask a hundred people, you might get, you know, a hundred different answers on it. I, I just, to be completely frank, I don't know if I have a really strong take or a stance on that. Uh, and we're working through it right now to try to figure out how we bring it to life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it really is interesting. And 
I think often when you think of like a voice, mm. you think of like a writer, you know, like really great writers have a very particular recognizable voice or, or any kind of artist, really, a musician, a painter, like there's something about, you know, you look at a Picasso and you just know, oh, that's a Picasso. It's a particular style, right? And, you know, you mentioned a couple of companies like Gong and a few others that they've just developed this kind of persona, like you, you know it when you see it or you read yep. their copy or whatever. Yep. Right. And that and it and, and it seems to me like like a that's not easy to do. It takes time and persistence and talent and all that stuff. But if once you can get it, if you can, it's yeah. super duper yeah. valuable to from a, from a marketing yeah. and sales. No doubt. I think right? if, if I were fo forced to choose or have a, a really strong stance on it, I would probably say that voice is a pillar underneath brand. And in particular, you know, voice is probably mm -hmm. the way that you communicate, how you communicate things, the particular words that you choose to describe what it is that you do or how you write the style. And then there's a bunch of other pillars that would, would sit underneath brand. Yeah, sort of. Like, it's like a mm -hmm. tone or an attitude. Yep, for sure. It's right. That like the way that you see this, the way that you see the word, it's almost like it's yeah. like a personality. Sort of instead of just like we're some faceless company or corporation that, you know, we just pump out widgets like, no, we actually have we stand for something, you know, in, in a way, not necessarily politically, yep. but you know what I mean? Like we have a point of view on what it is that we do and why it matters and, and, and the people yeah. in our community. Yeah, the point of view, I think, is a critical one as well. We're uh, actively trying to figure out what that looks like for us. As you can hear, I think internally we have a pretty strong belief that what we're doing is super disruptive but we also have to figure out how does that play with our audience do they want to work with someone super disruptive or do we need to nuance that messaging and is there a different way that we can communicate what it is that we just kind of in our bones know about our company and what we're doing uh, so we're trying to figure out do we go out swinging like that and, and do we take a really strong stance we'll see <laughs> Yeah, right. And, you know, I, and I think you're kind of raising another good point that figuring all, all of this stuff mm -hmm. out takes time, it, you know, because really, and I think you mentioned this before, it all comes down to really knowing your audience, which is kind of what this podcast is all about. And that's, that takes time. And it's not like a one and done, like, okay, we got it. Now we've solved all our problems. Like it's a never ending journey. Like this ongoing conversation with your audience with, with that shifts mm -hmm. and changes over time. Which is, I, I think, for like if for anyone in marketing or growth or sales or you know, that's yeah. what's interesting. Yeah, you, there's there's almost like two things happening at once. You have your actual audience is changing, so you have early on like what do we do, what do we say, and how do we be appealing to people that if we're building this company, quite frankly, like would just give us money to keep doing it. And so you'll see a lot of maybe yeah. investor friendly language early on and because in a lot of cases that is your audience. And then you go and acquire a few yeah. customers early on and likely they're you know, friends, family, people that are willing to do you a favor and the feedback you might get from them could have a bit of a rose colored lens on it. And then you also have, so that whole process, mm -hmm. if you are intimately involved in building this thing out, sometimes it's hard to hear maybe the direct feedback that you're getting from some of the later on customers but those people start to become the bulk of your audience. And we're at that phase now where 
we're we're well past the you know the friends and family customers and we have a lot of customers that are using the product quite a bit and are starting to give us some really really tangible feedback and so that's for us we're in that phase where we're getting a lot of customer feedback all the time and it's really really helping to shape and i think for the next 12 months for sure will will tell us you know where we need to go with some of this stuff yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah. That's a good place to yeah. be. A good sign, right? That you're you're doing the right things, heading in the right direction. Now, along those lines, when we spoke earlier, one thing you mentioned kind of struck me. You said that, you know, it's important to focus on what your audience, what your customers, what mm. they're searching for. But not only that, it's also to understand what they're not mm. searching for. So, yeah. So, so yeah, this one's, I think, pretty tactical. But if you zoom out a little bit, there's there's some philosophy around it as well that could guide overall strategy. But if I'm remembering correctly, we were talking about this idea that you've got a bunch of people that are essentially in your target market that could be searching for things that you want your company to pop up for in some type of a search result. If we isolate just like a, a Google ranking, for example, there's a lot of strategy around things related to SEO that help you get ranked super high. One of the exercises to go through is like, hey, relative to the solutions we offer, what are some of the keywords or the search terms that someone could be entering in to, to find potentially what it is that we offer? For us, you know, in the background screening space, if we were to type in, and we've literally done this, background checks or background screening, first off, you'll get uh, uh, different results for both. So early on, we had to pivot and figure out what do our customers actually call it? Is it a screener? Is it a check? But from there, one of the suggested highly ranking terms is what is a background check? So you go, okay, there are, you know, tens of thousands of people every single day searching what is a background check? And you might get excited to go try and rank really highly there, especially if it's not a very competitive uh, search term. But the reality is the person that we want to sell to, I hope that they're not searching for what is a background check. And so for us, trying to rank in that term would most likely be a, a bit of an exercise in futility because the person we're trying to sell to, the organization we're mm -hmm. trying to work with, that's likely not a, a search term that they would go look up. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it's a way of not wasting your time, being being more precise in your in your marketing. Yeah, and, your message and I'm and nowhere that. near the expert when it comes to search or SEO or, or things of that nature. But some of the concepts that I believe in or, or have learned about that make a ton of sense to me is this fine balance between you do have to play the game a little bit and do just some necessary things with your content that help you show up better and do a better job with search, but you can't do it at the, at the sacrifice or the risk of creating content that just doesn't deliver for your customer or for your potential customer. So it's, it's a really interesting balance. I don't have a ton of experience in pulling it off, but we're going to, we're going to see what we can do. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I think relating back to what we were talking about before about your voice and your point of view, it, you also don't want to create content in a way just from an, like an SEO point of view with like keywords and such that distorts your voice and your point of view. It still right. it has to be exactly. authentic, right? And, and and yeah, I mean, I'm no expert either, but at the end of the day, isn't it kind of basically like people have all sorts of questions, they're trying to solve problems. And you want to produce a body of content that 
helps them find answers to those problems one way or the other in a way that communicates your voice and your point of view. And that's super useful to the people who are looking for it. Like there's, it's an art and a science, right? There's yeah, one yeah exactly. Way. And especially in our space with background checks, as you can probably imagine, you don't even have to know much about them at all, but it's really complex. And at times it's very convoluted. And I think what happens is when you're in this industry, you start to become a bit of an expert in a lot of the terms and things that are to the general audience, super jargon based and don't make a ton of sense. They can kind right. of seep their way into your everyday vocabulary. And when we've gone out and searched, yeah. whether it's on G2 or other review sites, or just done general uh, customer surveys and research, a lot of what we hear is that companies out there aren't doing a good job of, of simplifying things and giving people answers in layman's terms. So we think there is a potential avenue for us to explore there to you know, be the company that helps all of our customers truly understand this, this whole industry. You got to speak their language, right? It's easy to get caught in that echo chamber. And there's like every, yeah. every industry has its jargon, right? And you can start and, and just assume, well, everyone knows what that is. And there's nothing more off-putting than stumbling onto some company's website. And you're like, you read their top thing. You're like, I have yeah. no idea what they do. I do not understand a single word of whatever they have written there. And it might even be the thing you're looking for. You yeah. just don't understand. Yeah. One it, of the things you know? that's super helpful for us because we are growing so fast, we've got new hires starting all the time. We're always hiring. And so uh, there's a huge responsibility that we carry as we onboard those people to get them up to speed as fast as possible. And so almost, you know, on a monthly cadence, we're having to explain what it is that we do to someone who doesn't know what we do. And so that's just this awesome kind of always mm, okay. on refresher for us to say, whoa, there's a lot of people out there that don't know this yeah. stuff. And we always have to keep going back to language that helps them understand it and, and a voice that makes sense for them. Right. That sounds yeah. like a great exercise and obviously necessary to <laughs> yeah. your yeah. employees. <laughs> so, so um, actually pausing for one second here. I had some other questions about your focus and Q1 and all that. If it's okay with you, we've kind of been talking for a while already. I'd rather kind of just wrap things up if, if, that, if you're okay with it. Okay. So back to the interview. So, all right, Anthony, well, there's so much more we could talk about. Really super interesting, but I need to let you go. You got other stuff to do. So thanks so much for your time. Really, really great conversation. Yeah, of course. Really thanks, Jeremy. It. This has been a ton of fun. I appreciate you having me on.